Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Head over to your dresser and take a look in your underwear drawer and tell me what's in there. I guarantee you, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now and whatever you have in your drawer. This week's episode is brought to you by the awesome folks over at Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. The Mack Weldon shopping experience is amazing. It's super easy and the products are fantastic. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. Mack Weldon has an awesome offer just for Smart People Podcast listeners. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code SMART podcast where we talk to smart people but not necessarily done by smart people that is an awesome question this one goes down probably on one of my top five hey i like nutrition i like to eat food this is the coolest thing ever we're gonna do this forever i wish i paid more attention in that class you know i'm gonna be honest i don't understand that as a man i just i don't get it welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com Hello, welcome to Smart People Podcast. This is conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Thanks for joining us today. Chris Stemp here, as always. I hope you're having a fantastic 2016. We're already, you know, a month and a half into it, uh, which is crazy. Time flies by, obviously. And But I'm just, I'm feeling good. And I hope you are too. I hope that this podcast adds a little knowledge to your world and thank you all for being part of this community. I never get sick of saying that. I never get sick of checking email and seeing some some listeners reach out. So let's talk about what we have going on in our episode this week. 
I'm happy to bring you this episode with our guest, Samantha Attard, or Sam, call her Sam. Sam has her PhD in nutrition. She's a wellness coach and a yoga teacher. And at her core, she's teaching adults how to navigate their diets and daily lives with less stress and more ease, whether that be how to be fit, how to eat right. And I actually met Sam. We got some coffee one day. I think we connected through my nonprofit, which many of you know of, uh, the United States Healthful Food Council. And we're obviously all about health and good eating. So I met Sam and she we just had a really natural, great conversation. I picked her brain. She's really smart. Kind of taught me some things in just a short conversation. I said, you know what? I bet you'd have some good tips and knowledge to bring to my podcast. Would you be on? And she said, yeah. So that's where we are. You can find Sam at her website, BeHappyHealthyHuman.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, all that. And I think she does some really cool stuff on Periscope. But you'll have to reach out to her to find out where she is. So in this episode, we're going to talk about health and nutrition, eating, living, being well. It's just a fitting episode for how I'm feeling right now. So if you're doing great with your resolutions already, you'll enjoy this. And if you're not, maybe it'll give you the motivation. Remember, we are at Smart People Pod. Love your Twitter conversations and reaching out. And we are moving forward with the mastermind. We've gotten some great responses. If you haven't taken the survey, go to smartpeoplepodcast.com slash mastermind. Take the survey because there might be some benefit to taking that in the future if you're interested in the mastermind, that is. And remember, our mastermind is all about, you know, the podcast is the who knew and the mastermind is the how to. So we're going to be getting a little nitty gritty, really want this to be a select group, people who are serious about learning, becoming better, adding new skills, being happier, you know, really being better versions of themselves, me included. You know, I really, I want to do that. And I am excited to connect with you all in a more intimate way. Of course, we are at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Here it is, our episode with Sam Attard. Enjoy. Well, Sam, thanks so much for being on the show. For for those listening, I'll give them a little background. You and I happened to meet just through, you know, I work, uh, people, listeners know the nonprofit I work for, the U.S. Healthful Food Council, and you know a lot about healthful food, and you are what we would consider an expert. So uh, we met, and I loved kind of what you had to say and your messaging, so I wanted to have you on. So thanks for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm really excited to be here. So first things first, let's give the listeners a, a little bit of an idea about your background and how you got to, to where you are, and then we'll kind of catch up to what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, I mean, we could start way far back, um, yeah, <laughs> way back where it all began. I mean, where it really began was just a love of food. Um, my grandma and my mom, they're, they're from Italy, and we've always loved food. It's always been such a social experience for our families, you know, just sitting around the table for hours and hours. Um, and so I've always loved food. And um, throughout, you know, my teen years, I then started to get much more into actually living healthier. And so using food to um, fuel my body. So not just about enjoyment and this kind of hedonistic aspect of it, which was huge, but then also saying, man, you know, I 
feel so much better if I'm eating well um, and kind of making that connection as well. Um, so I ended up in New York City. I was actually studying chemical engineering at Cooper Union, which was wonderful, um, but also got really into the local food scene, um, learned about public health and realized, you know, I really want to help people with this and really want um, to make nutrition my career, not just my passion. Um, so it was from there that I decided to go down to UNC, uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to pursue my PhD in nutrition because um, I really wanted to understand it. Um, I knew already that there were a lot of people talking about nutrition, but um, a lot less people that actually knew what they were talking about. And I really wanted to dig into the science and to really understand how do we make our bodies work at their best. I really was was caught up on this idea of can we optimize, you know, how we eat in order to make ourselves, you know, work our best, feel our best. Um, so I was down in North Carolina. A um, couple different things happened. So um, meanwhile, throughout all this, I did my yoga teacher training because I've always um, loved yoga. So I got more into teaching yoga, which was wonderful and just such a beautiful experience. Um, also in Doing my research, I learned a couple things. So first, that there's so much we don't know about nutrition, um, that there's a lot that are, I don't want to say guessing, but it's we're making generalized recommendations based on these larger studies, these population-based studies, um, where we can tell a lot about what's good for us, but we really can't pin down on an individual level why one person gets heart disease and the second person doesn't. Um, you know, I think we all have those stories of like the grandma or the, the great uncle that lived to 95, right. even though he was drinking, you know, whiskey every day and, you know, red meat and all that stuff. So, you know, there's this question of, okay, so why is the guy that's drinking whiskey every day doing great? And why is someone that's really trying to watch their weight and watch their diet still, you know, get a disease? And they realize we really don't have those answers yet. Um, and so, in doing that study, that um, brought me back to things I'd learned about through my yoga practice, um, including Ayurveda, which is the ancient um, Indian system of medicine, which um, very highly prizes nutrition as an important way to um, affect your health, and um, also traditional Chinese medicine. And what I learned from Ayurveda and TCM is that um, they have a totally different view of the individual and um, of looking at at people as an individual and that their health is um, is a direct directly related to their own bodies, their own minds, where they are in their in their life cycle. And so I just realized that there's this whole other aspect of personalized medicine that we're really not dealing with um, in our Western view of medicine right now. It's changing a little bit, but it's just a, a totally different a totally different theme, and it's definitely something we can talk about. But um, but they look at the individual in a totally different way. So what that made me realize is that I wanted to bring this knowledge together. So of knowing what I do know about um, very medical um, and scientific Western nutrition with this idea of Ayurveda, which is you know what is your body type. You know, um, is it really wet out and cold outside? Is it nice and hot outside? What's your constitution? And really building all that together to work with individuals to help them um, live better, um, eat better, and feel better. So 
from all of that, uh, that led me to launch my business, which is called Happy Healthy Human. And I also made a move up to Washington, D.C. Um, once I graduated from UNC. So now I'm living up in D.C. and I do wellness coaching with individuals. I do a lot of nutrition seminars and events. I teach yoga classes. Um, I'm very excited to be launching my first um, group coaching experience and group, group coaching program in the next few weeks, which is very cool. And just trying to help people feel good and live well. And it's really awesome. It's been a dream come true. That's for sure. Yeah. And I remember when we talked, you know, I always kind of, I love hearing about stories and digging into the background. And I remember you telling me about the thesis that you did for your PhD, which was interesting. And I also know that doing that whole thesis work, you have to get so in depth that you truly become kind of that expert. And so I was hoping you could, because I don't remember it, that was a while ago, you could refresh my memory on what that was so we can kind of discuss that a little bit. Yeah, so my thesis is actually um, is about economic change and urbanization in China and how that has affected physical activity um, and diet patterns um, among Chinese adults. And then also ultimately how that physical activity and diet changes are affecting, um, the, uh, prevalence of overweight and obesity in China. So, and so we have a, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go right ahead. I was just going to say, so did you find, I mean, kind of, you know, the first thing that would come to mind is they adopt a little bit more of a Western diet and all of a sudden they, you know, uh, have the same Western diet related disease. Is is that mm -hmm. kind of a lot of the foundation of the thesis? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, we use this large population based study that's been um, looking at Chinese adults since 1989, actually. So, um, so we have over 20 years of data on these guys. And over those 20 years, the changes that have happened in the urban landscape um, in China is insane. I mean, it's the same sort of change that we've seen over 80, 90, 100 years here. And over there in China, it's only taken place in 20 years. So, um, so in those 20 years, there's been more fast food, more processed foods. Um, it's really interesting because essentially no one ate snacks 20 years ago. And now 20 years later, everyone's eating four or five six times a day, just like we do here in the U.S. Um, so their, their entire diet and their entire way of life has completely changed, which is really interesting. And so what do you think the reason is? Do you think it's, or did you cover this? Do you think it's marketing that they adopted that? Or do you think it's the fact that as humans, we kind of crave the sugar, salt, fat? And if you put it in front of us, if it's available, we are going to eat it in excess. Ooh, that's a really great question. I mean, that's something really interesting. I mean, sure, of course, marketing plays a huge role in, in it because there is some um, some change. Uh, what am I trying to say? There's an, an adaptation process that happens. We've seen in some of our studies that, um, unsurprisingly, perhaps it's like the 20-year-olds, the teenagers, 20s, 30s that start to adopt you know, or start eating KFC and all those things much faster than the people that are 50, 60, 70. So in that sense, it's very much about um, marketing and culture and, and a desire to be um, potentially more like Western cultures that starts the change. 
Um, but then it does kind of just balloon to, to kind of affect the entire population. And of course, you know, like you mentioned, you know, once you do have it and you're like, this is delicious, um, then that, then that biology probably takes a hold, um, and, and makes it so that you want to keep on eating it. For yeah. Sure. Well, and the reason I ask is because I, I find it fascinating, right? When you study, like I read studies about aboriginals and, and, you mm-hmm. know, they, we talked about it in, um, in the book omnivores dilemma, which spiked, uh, which sparked a lot of my curiosity in this. They, yes. they took aboriginals and, um, they, basically took them out of their natural environment, brought them into Western culture. And within like, I don't remember, I want to say a year, two years, some, they developed diabetes. They, I mean, really horrible stuff. The crazy thing is when they then put them back in their natural environment and kind of, and again, this was in a test, they said, you can only eat what you would have eaten, right? Which is basically a lot of seafood. They were actually essentially cured of diabetes, which doesn't happen, you know, really. Um, And so I love the studies when you can take, you know, uh, populations that haven't seen perhaps these food and, you know, these trends and then what happens when they're introduced to them. And what I, what, what I'm curious about is like, how do we fight against our natural tendency to want the food that over, Mm -hmm. over thousands of years we have been trained or, you know, uh, we have evolved to eat, i.e. sugar, yeah. salt, fat, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly the issue. And that's exactly the problem. Like, for example, if we talk about genetic predisposition for obesity or, um, or diabetes or something like that, I mean, those genes have been around all along. It's just we finally have allowed them to, um, to, to, you know, fulfill their potential, I guess you could say, um, by, putting them in front of a lot of sugar and salt and fat. So, um, so, you know, we've always been biologically wired to crave that sugar and fat because there was a time where we didn't know if we were going to make enough calories. So you better make sure that calories taste good because we want to make sure that we stay alive. Um, and, and now we're in a point where, where the world around us is, um, providing us with a little bit too much of access. And I mean, that's why for me, I've always been very interested in these kind of policy level solutions and how do you make a healthy choice, the easy choice, um, because that's essentially the only way that we're going to be able to um, come combat it because we, we've kind of discovered sugar and salt and fat and, and we can't really go back and like unlearn it, you know, like like the people in that experiment. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's always going to be there. So so that's where changing the environment, um, whether it's through those kind of policy solutions can be or through regulations can be so, so important. Um, but, you know, as probably I'm sure all of your listeners know, that's a lot easier to say than it is to do. And um, and so that's where some of the approaches to help individuals better deal with those cravings become really important. Perfect. Let's talk about that. <laughs> and here's why. I I definitely have an addictive personality. I've been aware of that since I was about 10. And mm-hmm. I, I also have a lot of, I hope this isn't counterintuitive or whatever, but I have a lot of self-control. So yes. I know that I can get addicted to things. So I control 
uh, not doing that. For example, mm-hmm. cigarettes. I, I would never touch them because I'm I'm worried about getting addicted to them, right? Right. Um, right. Luckily, when I was younger, I went to the doctor for some reason. I, it, uh, low blood pressure runs in my family. So they said, look, you can have salt. Like, you, you know, so the reason I say this is because... Um, I don't really like a lot of vegetables in terms of their taste. Like mm-hmm. I don't like my wife will eat just um red peppers, red bell peppers. She loves them. Nothing yeah. on them, right? Or yeah. coffee. She'll drink it black. No sugar. For me, I got to have some salt on there, etc. How do you And again, I love the philosophy of dealing with the individual. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you deal with somebody, and I'm sure you see this all the time, who is like, "Look, I just really crave Oreos or I just crave salt or, yeah. you know, like what do you do and how do you offer some assistance to, to those who are so uh, difficult, you know, they have the difficulty in fighting those urges. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, I mean, you, you kind of already answered it in some sense, Chris. So you said, because you know that you would be completely addicted to cigarettes and not be able to stop you just don't even start. And so if it's something like Oreos or, you know, a double cheeseburger or cake, if that's, what's going to do it for you, maybe it's worth it to just say, you know what? No, none of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hate, I, not, I hate, I don't like to do kind of ultimatums. I really am one of those balances key and everything in moderation kind of people. But I also understand that there are times where you just have to say, okay, none of it, because otherwise it's a complete slippery slope and and you'll never actually make it. I'm actually currently in the midst of an experiment with myself about um, about not having caffeine and I've had to say, forget it, never. Mm. I'm just not having any coffee. It's not even a little coffee or a, this kind of coffee or maybe a tea. It's like, no, I have to do none of it because otherwise my body is never going to learn to live without it. Um, so for some people, that's, that is what you have to do is, okay, no Oreos. Okay, no added sugars. Okay, no cookies. Like, and just get them out of your house, get them out of your life, and have that rule with yourself. Um, if it's something like salt, you know, that's a hard one because obviously salt is in everything. <laughs> um, but if, if it is, and that's where some of that individual um, counseling really helps in that discussion Because when I sit down with a client and we talk about, okay, so how confident are you that you can stay totally away from cookies completely? Like, is that something you want to do? And they might say, let's do it because that's the only way. Or they'll say, I am not ready to do that right now. Okay, then. So then let's talk about, can we have it so you only have cookies on the weekend? Or you can have, and, and even you must have, um, you know, one package of cookies per week. For example, I have a wonderful client um, who I love and on his list is um, he can only have a double cheeseburger once a week, mm. but he also must have a double cheeseburger once a week. Ah. So, yeah, so so he's going to get it. He knows it's going to come, but that means that every time he goes to a restaurant, it's not like, can I get the double cheeseburger? Can I get the double cheeseburger? Um yeah. And, and so, so that's where some of that individualized, just working with what, what works with your body and your routine, um, comes into play. And, and perfect. This is a great lead in. Cause so f- given that you can't work with any, everyone individually, right? Right. right, um, right. How can people begin to solve their own 
uh, problems themselves or, or what kind of steps, recommendations, let's kind of, I know it's tough to, to paint everyone with a broad (laughs) brush, Mm -hmm. but, um, like I know for myself, I tend to be like, I want other people to tell me what to do. And finally I said, all right, I'm going to try some things out. And it really helps. And and for example, I have a sweet tooth when I wake up and we talked about this. So I'm instead of the first thing I do is like sugar sweetened coffee or whatever, I'll have fruit because I feel like that's eh, pretty good, right? There's some nutritional value. I get my sweet tooth and then I can move on to my healthy proteins. Right. So like, how do you recommend people, um, you know, look at and evaluate what their struggles are and then how to deal with them on their own? Yeah, yeah. So because definitely that first step is awareness. Um, it is, it is. The first step is awareness. Um, most people don't realize that they're walking through their days not feeling good because you get really used to it. We get used to this cycle of I'm really tired when I wake up, so I have a bunch of coffee. And so then I'm hopped up and then I go through my day. I have my big lunch. I get really tired. Okay, I'm really tired, so I'm going to have an afternoon coffee. Okay, good. But now I'm really stressed, so I'm going to go to happy hour and have some alcohol. And then I stay up too late, binge watching on TV. I go to bed and I wake up tired again. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. (laughs) Why are you in my living room? Like, in all seriousness. Not all the time. But let's just take that person because that person exists. Let's walk through everything. Man, I, now I'm going to I'm going to cut you off from what you were talking about. OK, okay. keep, okay, go, wait, keep okay. going through your thought and then we're going to take that person. How okay, about that? Sounds good. Okay, so, so, so most people don't realize that they're feeling good. So the first thing is, is being able to break that cycle. And the first step to breaking that cycle is realizing that that cycle is happening. So. Like I'll give you actually the, here's here's a step for all of your listeners. Um, this is the first thing that I do with all of my clients. It's going to be the first thing we do in my group coaching program. Like this is the first step is I call it a food and energy journal. So it kind of turns traditional calorie counting on its head because rather than getting caught up in how many calories you know was in your breakfast muffin or whatever, you write down what you ate, but you're also going to write down how you felt after you ate it. And so throughout the day, you're simultaneously logging both what you're eating as well as how you're feeling. So you're rating your energy and your stress levels throughout your day while you also write down what you're eating. And what that can really do is a couple things. So first, um, you see um, that like most humans, you're probably a creature of habit and you have specific patterns that you go to again and again. And second, you start to see where those pain points are. So you start to realize, man, I am so tired at three o'clock every single day. It just hits at three. And that can be like, okay, so what's going on with my lunch? Why could my lunch be causing that? Or, you know, why is it that I always get a cookie right after my meeting with my boss? It's always meeting with my boss and then a cookie, meeting with my boss and then a cookie. Okay, I got to figure out what that stress is or what that link is between the meeting with my boss and the cookie. So that can just be such a way to help you actually start to look at your step back and look at your eating and your stress levels and your energy levels all together. Um, Again, going back to that Ayurveda, um, the traditional Indian medicine um, is that you are one person and all areas of your life affect all other areas of your life. So, Um, so really honing in on that and really 
taking advantage of that knowledge to help you understand what are probably those triggers for you and potentially those things that are making you not feel good because those are the ones that you can start to change around. And I definitely, I want to talk about Ayurveda because, um, well, it just sounds interesting. But mm-hmm. but prior to doing that, let's go back to this this mythological person who somehow <laughs> just pulled out of nowhere. Can we just call him Chris? We Is can. That- let's. We'll <laughs> give him an avatar. We'll call him Chris. No link, obviously. <laughs> um, walk me through that. Obviously, you you said that because you see that a lot. That's very typical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm just going to kind of spell it out. Right. So coffee to get you going and coffee's a miracle drug for those okay. of you that don't know it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, man, I could go on and on. Um, you know, y- you eat lunch because people tell you to eat lunch, then, uh, get tired, have another coffee. The afternoon coffee is just as necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, you finally make it through work and you're like, Oh my God, that was tough. Whatever it was a drink. And then for some reason, stay up till, I don't know, midnight watching Monday night football, knowing you have to wake up at 6 a.m. to take, you know, to take care of your newborn son. So for that person, um, what is your solution? I mean, it's survival. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you said, you might not know any better or know what better feels like. Right. Why? You know, what do we do? What do we do? Good question. So, okay. So let's say, so we've done the food and energy journal. We see what's going on. My, my next question to you. No, no, to be, this person. Or to this, <laughs> yes, to this person would be, well, well, what would happen is, is maybe that person would say, you know, maybe they would identify um, that link of, oh yeah, no, I'm always so stressed. And then I get a drink or, you know what? I really just need to fix my sleep. Like mm. I, if I was sleeping better, I think everything else would come into play. And then I'd say, okay, let's start there. So that's where some of that individualized bit comes in because I would just say, go for the thing that is easiest, most obvious, seems like it will make everything else get better. Um, and that might be different, a different spot for every single person. Some mm. people, you know, aren't ready to touch the fact that they're super stressed at work. So we wouldn't touch that yet, but maybe they're ready to talk about sleep. So, so maybe that's where we start and say, okay, so, and that's where, again, some of the individualized comes in and saying, okay, so do you want to like, can you, can you sleep later in the morning? Like, no, no, there's no way that's going to happen. Okay, great. Okay. So can you get to bed earlier? I guess that's my only other option, isn't it? So, okay. Great. And then we figure out, okay, so how can we get you to bed earlier? And then, so that's what we work on first is let's get you a good night's sleep. Okay. You know, and then once we've worked through whatever those issues are and and made sure that that's something that you can really achieve, like we'd say like 80% of the time. So if it was two weeks, you know, you do about 10 or 11 days where you get your, you feel like you've gotten your good sleep, then we say, okay, so what happens next? And, you know, maybe you find that now that you're sleeping better, you don't need that coffee as early in the morning. Say, okay, this is great. So maybe we can start getting you on a, um, a healthy breakfast to get you going now that you're here, you've, you're well rested, you have a little more time in the morning because you're less foggy. Mm. Okay, let's get your breakfast going. And you just slowly chip away at that day until you basically go through it, all of it feeling awesome. Um, so, so I think the, the key here, and, and 
we can get into a little bit of the psychology because I know you deal with that. I mean, I've done mm-hmm. uh, career coaching and some life coaching. So and I, 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 there's a lot of links between various types of coaching. So I'm interested yeah. to hear your take. Um, but the first thing is, okay, you, you know, you have to realize it. But secondarily, it's break things down into small manageable pieces and then trust yourself to experiment. And I mm-hmm. think and that's what I'm hearing. And, and what I think the difficulty is, and again, people know this. I speak a lot from personal experience and hope that they kind of feel the same way or, or can identify with it. But I always feel like somebody has the answer. Why can't they just tell me? And, <laughs> and what gets most frustrating with your body is that no one can tell you the one answer because there isn't one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I spent so many years trying to find one. I promise you. Um, <laughs> no one no one wanted to find an answer like that more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's amazing um, that how different people are and um, and how things can change because also what feels good in your body at one time in your life can be totally different three years later. Um, and And that's a huge one. Oh, shoot. I had something in my brain that I was going to say that was going to be so smart. It was going to sound really, really good. And then you were going to drop the mic. (laughs) I was going to drop the mic. All's over. Um, uh, I wanted to find a solution. Couldn't necessarily find it. Um, Darn it. It's gone, but hopefully I find it again. Maybe it'll pop up. Exactly. Well, yeah. So, and then going from the psychological standpoint, because here's the thing. One of the things I've realized is a lot of the best advice is see it's, once you hear it, you're like, oh, I get that, right? It's kind of like eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I get that, but why don't you do it? And the same thing with this. People are going to hear, okay, you know, I need to look at myself. Um, I might not have known about the journal. I'm going to do that, but get a little more sleep, et cetera. What do you find is often a sticking point, and then how are people able to work around that? Mm, oh, so a sticking point um, to actually of, making the changes? Yeah, you know, so they come to you with mm. something, and then you're like, have you looked at this? And they're like, huh, that's interesting. But then they don't do it. Mm. How do you work with that? Yeah, that, I mean, just like you mentioned with the psychology, I mean, that's really getting into the belief systems and, and you know, that trust in yourself that you actually can have some control or agency over your choices. Um, and I, I prefer to use the word agency in terms of that, the fact that you have a choice mm. rather than control, like you're trying to, you know, be dictator of your world because um, trying to be dictator of your world isn't going to help either. But um, but having agency, recognizing that you actually can decide if you put your hand in the bag of M and M's or not. Um, that's that's your agency. You can decide if you um, feel the stress of something at work so deeply that it drives you to you know need a twenty ounce latte or something like that. Um, that's that's something you can actually control, and so um, helping people find the agency in those actions and feel good about making the decisions that they're making, rather than feeling like their decisions are being made for them, I think that is super super huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's super huge. And you know, there's a study recent. I mean, there's a lot of studies, but one I read recently just talking about kind of agency and. And the ability to have self-control is one of the leading indicators of how successful you're going to be yes, in life. Ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, it comes into it so much, but I think, I, I don't know, I don't want to make broad sweeping generalizations about this day and age or anything yeah. like that. But um, 
but I think that also becomes the issue of where we're in inundated with so many experts that we start to believe what the experts are telling us rather than what we're actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I was going to say is that the, the really um, difficult thing is being truthful, being truthful with yourself about how something makes you feel. So this is, this is the big sticking point because a lot of us will say, well, I have cake and that does work for me. That makes me feel less stressed. It's like, well, is it really working for you? Because after you eat the cake and you potentially feel better about your work stress, but what that just allowed you to do was stress out about how you just, you know, got off of your diet and now you're allowed to feel bad about yourself for not being able to stick with your diet. Or, you know, again, it, oh no, the coffee, you know, really lifted up my energy. Um, but then you don't think about the fact that actually then it dropped you way lower an hour later. Hmm. So I think the major sticker point, and this is the kind of more, again, psychological aspect of it that's a little deeper for us to see ourselves, I think that's where help from outside can be useful, is actually seeing, is this really working for me? Is this really serving me in a positive way? Or is it actually potentially contributing to me just sticking on this status quo? I really like that point. And I want to you know, reiterate that, highlight it, in the fact that the the brain, and I mean, I've interviewed a ton of people on this. I, I teach now about productivity and, and the brain. The brain can rationalize almost mm-hmm. any decision. <laughs> yeah. and, and that rationality comes from the thinking part of the brain, where the decisions most of the time come from the you know primal or mm-hmm. reptilian or whatever you want to call it part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so it does take, and I think in your case, you're talking about having an outside, uh, you know, somebody in your shoes or somebody to kind of ask the hard questions, but like, you know, look, you say that you can operate on six hours of sleep, but you, I don't know, sleep for 13 hours on Saturdays and then feel like you're, it's a waste. And then you get depressed and then blah, blah, blah. Right. There is a cascade that we often will rationalize our way out of. Right. Exactly. And I just wanted to highlight that because sometimes listeners, Hey, if you're driving and somebody has cut you off and you missed the last point, (laughs) <laughs> Don't rewind about two minutes because I think that was that was great stuff. Ah, oh, that was the drop the mic, by the way. That was, so, well, yeah. it's over. <laughs> See you later, everyone. So I want to talk about uh, Ayurveda. Nice. Um, when we first spoke, you mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. I have not looked into it. Okay. Because I've been busy. However, I knew I was going to have you on the show and I was like, I'm going to. This is why I do the podcast. I'm like, I want to take, you've looked into it for years. Why Mm -hmm. would I spend an hour when I can just have you tell me all the highlights in a couple minutes? It's very smart. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, okay, first, um, you know, all areas of your life affect other areas. Yes. Tell me about that. So, I mean, Ayurveda um, in general, you know, and what that. Yeah. Okay. So Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. So again, traditional Indian, um, ancient Indian medicine. Um, So it's a system of, I mean, on the one hand, kind of explaining the human experience. I mean, Ayurveda itself means the science of life and um, is how they would treat medicine. But a huge difference is that they're very big on prevention. So it also becomes kind of a code or a way of living your life and um, a set of rituals that you follow in order to keep your body and your mind feeling healthy um, every single day. A huge part of Ayurveda is um, the fact that you are all one person so that everything affects everything else. 
but also that there's seasonality to just about everything. So there's the seasons as we experience them. So, you know, fall, spring, winter, there are seasons to your life. So when you are growing, um, when you are a child to, you know, your midlife to when you get old and start to start to, um, I don't want to use the word decay, but as you start to age, um, but you know, <laughs> as you age and kind of, because that what I'm thinking of in my brain, I'm seeing like this energy swell, right? So as you're growing in this kind of like burst of energy that's happening, and then as you age and things get a little quieter, a little sure. softer. So that's what I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, there's a cycle to the day. So, you know, the fact that um, we know it now as our circadian rhythm. Um, but in the morning, again, this burst of energy that really, you know, pinnacles around noon with the sun and then declines and then we go down to night, which again gets quiet again. So there's a seasonality in these like kind of um, concentric circles of seasonality that's that are at play at all times and based on where you're at in those circles. So it's spring, but you're, you know, in your early 20s and um, and it's nighttime. You know, all of those combined to say, okay, so that means at this time, it's really good if you um, eat this kind of food or engage in this sort of activity or um, have these specific daily rituals that you are working on and thinking on. So it kind of becomes a code by which you can say, oh, I'm going to do this thing because of what time it is. So it gives you, it, it takes away some of those decisions, actually, in some senses. Um, so rather than saying, I don't know. Should I have a donut? Should I have a salad? Should I have soup? Should I have, you know, a smoothie? It's as well because it is, you know, a winter morning making something up. Oh, I'm going to have oatmeal because I need something warming and nice and comforting. Mm. Um, so, so it takes some of those decisions out by, by giving you a code by which to follow um, to follow your day. But how do you know the code? Like, how, you know, because obviously I'm assuming there's no manual that says you should to eat this at this point, or maybe there is, I don't know. Yeah, there a little bit. So, um, so there's all the kind of seasonality codes and some of them are pretty easy to tell. So for example, summertime, it's really hot. That's why you would be eating more raw foods, more cooling foods. There's all these spices that have more cooling qualities to them. So those would be things that you would eat during a really hot month. So there's that. Um, but on an individual level and really um, on a personal level, they talk about the constitutions or your dosha. And this is um, just a general guideline of, of how you are and how you show up in the world. So the three doshas are um, vata, pitta, and kapha. And so vata being very slight and being associated with wind and air, so really thin um, you know, thin framed people, um, you know, the friend that's kind of all over the place and always has different ideas and is jumping around. Um, there is um, Pitta, which is the very fiery, strong personality. Um, you know, the, the person that gets all red and hot and inflamed, hmm. that's Pitta, it's fire. And then there's Kapha, which is earth, that's the grounded, that's the friend you can always count on. Um, it's associated with slightly a, a larger body frame. Um, a little bit of a slower movement, but that steady, calm, you know, person and personality. And all of us um, are some combination of all three of these things, but likely uh, you have a predominant personality that, that plays out. Um, and so based on that predominant personality, that can guide some of your choices because if I am that super fiery, hot, inflamed person, eating 
a bunch of hot sauce is going to make me get even more inflamed and potentially too inflamed, which would then in, in the Ayurvedic wisdom would then lead to maybe an inflammatory disease. Hmm. So if I am that red, hot, fiery person, I probably need more of those cooling foods and those cooling aspects to my life. Um, so I'm not going to go to Bikram yoga. I'm going to do a gentle yoga class or, you know, rather than boot camp, I'm going to, um, you know, take a nice walk or something like that because I need to balance out that hotness that's already in my body and, and bring myself back into balance. And so that's what you're constantly doing in Ayurveda is trying to bring yourself back into balance based on what's happening in the world around you and what's also happening inside of your body. Hmm. And I I do, I, I like I like the theory behind it, and what I like or dislike, I guess, really doesn't have a lot of relevance here. But, um, <laughs> but so for those that are saying this sounds woo woo or whatever, um, you know, how do you? Because I'm sure you get that. And how do you respond to that? And some some of the times you might say, "Then fine, it's not for you." But mm-hmm. I just want to see kind of what you have found, or in in learning about it, um, you know, how you, I don't know, give that legitimacy, I guess. I mean, I think the legitimacy in terms of, you know, especially like the seasonality kind of thing is thinking about, again, um, you know, the circadian rhythm kind of proved a little bit um, what um, proved what they've been talking about with the seasonality of your day. You know, the fact that we have different hormones that are coming out in the morning versus at night, you know, so we have this cortisol surge, this energy surge in the morning, um, and things kind of calm down and we have that melatonin production at night. So in some senses, you know, our hormones are, are already doing this seasonality. Um, so, so that's one, I mean, again, we've all experienced, um, you know, the seasonality of fall, winter, spring, summer, in that we aren't all making chili in the middle of July, mm. and we all aren't eating ice cream in the middle of December. So so we naturally gravitate towards some of these things. Um, and then on an individual basis, in terms of, you know, are you vata, pitta, or kapha, I would say the proof would be, for me, the proof is, is that we have spent so much money trying to... Um, solve things like obesity and chronic diseases. And even when we try to hit everyone with the same drug, it is not 100% effective. Um, we're not, we're not reaching hundred percent effectiveness when we try to treat everyone the same. And so that's, that's how I, um, justify to myself that, um, and show that, that there probably are some differences going on in our bodies. And this might just be one way to help explain them. I'm sure, you know, sometime, someday with science, um, you know, we're working on genetic um, medicine and, and personalized and precision nutrition and medicine. And um, hopefully at one point we'll be able to really pinpoint down um, what it is that makes a drug or an intervention work with one person and not another. But at this point, we don't have that with our with our drugs or our treatments. So I like this way of um, personalizing our prevention. I wanted to say two things. Well, a couple of things. So first, that's what I like doing on this podcast is regard, you know, you can choose your own, you know, what you choose to believe or not. But I want to bring people on to uh, discuss alternative views that you can either look into and perhaps it opens something up. And I want to say on that note, for example, I almost always drink hot 
drinks over cold drinks. So, for example, I go mm-hmm. to I go to Starbucks. It's almost always hot. Could be a hundred degrees outside or twenty degrees outside. Yeah. And as we're talking about this, I always relate to myself. One thing I noticed is my demeanor is. Although I'm animated, I don't, there's not a lot of fire. Like I, I mm. rarely get up, like upset or yell or like any of that stuff. And I think that that might be my balance of, you know, let's, let's warm it up a little bit. I don't yeah. know. It's just a thought, but it, it opened my mind to that. And then lastly, you know, when you mentioned two things there, sleep cycles, we very recently interviewed I'd say the leading expert in the world on sleep cycles, uh, episode 195, Till Ronenberg. And he he wrote a book called Internal Time, Chronotypes, Social Jet Lag, and Why You're So Tired. And he really has done a lot of fantastic stuff around our cycles. There's a number number of cycles, right? So you have your circadian rhythm, but then, you know, I don't know, you're controlled by different, look, I don't know. The point, go, go listen to the episode. <laughs> and Yeah, and there's even like an organ clock and some of our organs are more active at yes. different times. And, and they're really finding that this is true, that this is not. And this this was something that, again, ancient Indian and ancient Chinese medicine have been known about or have, you know, I guess hypothesized about for thousands of years. And it's and it's true and it's being proven to be true. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that. And then lastly, I interviewed a while ago a, a, a surgeon who was an ER doctor and eventually he changed into more of a um like a primary care physician because he and he wanted to go he wanted to combine eastern and western medicine because he said western medicine is life-saving fantastic one of the best things that we've ever created it saves lives during trauma however it does a pretty bad job of the you know non-emergency um diseases and so that's what he wanted to kind of bring in some of that eastern philosophy which is what ayurveda is doing so i just want to say for the listeners there's if you want some extra fodder um those are some things to check out that's great <laughs> i'm gonna have to listen to those episodes that sounds awesome yeah i'd have to go back the the one with the the er doctor was a long time ago okay i mean i've almost been doing this thing for five years so that one i'll have to go dig up but um Episode 195 was good. Well, Sam, I, I've really enjoyed this. I, you know, I love learning about this for those that maybe they're in the area or do you do coaching, uh, like Skype coaching and stuff? Yes, I do. I do a lot, um, on the phone and and on video chat and online. Definitely. So if people are kind of interested in this, could you give them an idea of where they can find you and how they can reach out? Definitely. Yeah. They can find me at be happy, healthy, com. So be happy, healthy, human. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Happy Healthy Sam. And most recently, um, it's been awesome. I've been doing nightly periscopes about nutrition. So that's at Happy Healthy Sam. And it is so much fun. Um, I love doing them. I love chatting with everyone and and getting in with the community. So I would love to see some of your listeners there. Well, Sam, thank you so much. Um, This has been a blast. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. This has been so much fun. I really love doing this. So Absolutely. thank you. Yeah, Thanks. it's great. And I'm sure I will talk to you again soon. Definitely. Thank uh, you, hon. All right, Sam. Have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Sam Attard. If you want to find out more about Sam, head over to BeHappyHealthyHuman.com. 
which we've also linked to over at smartpeoplepodcast.com. If you're looking for an easy way to support the show, we ask that you head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review over there. We also have an Amazon affiliate page located at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon, and that comes at no extra cost to you and really does help support the show. If you'd ever like to reach out to the show just to say hi or recommend a guest, please shoot us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. That's it for me today. Please stay tuned to all things Smart People Podcast. As always, we've got some great guests coming up, so make sure you stay tuned, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>